part of the conversations that happen around my kitchen table. He's John Brannion, and he's been a stand-up comic for more than 30 years. She's Amanda McKinney, and she's been my daughter for her whole life. Our family believes laughter is a gift from God. We often discover it while discussing culture, faith, and family. So go ahead and pull up a chair, neighbor. Can I call you Carl? There's plenty of room here for you. I seriously yes. gotta go, but I love you all. <laughs> love you. Bye. See you next week. See you on the polos. Jawanda Vivo, everybody. Jawanda Vivo. He's out. All right. So he gone. He gone. So I had a conversation with uh, a comedian this week, Brian, with a, a comedian friend of mine, and he. Well, uh, we, we talked for quite a while, but the, the short version that I wanted to, to run past you as a fellow comedian um, is that he, he was doing a show for some younger people, like Gen Gen X, Gen Z people. And he said, Gen that, X. I know that I'm, I'm saying what he said. He's talking to people who are younger and he's saying uh, that oh, they didn't. Than? It, it didn't go well that they were that they were not appreciative of his particular comedy stylings, and we talked about from there how the the concept of specifically comedy is different for younger people now because they've grown up with with TikTok and YouTube and and online things, and so now you have a you have a culture where there are literally thousands and thousands of people who have millions of views doing things that don't necessarily require a lot of preparation or creative effort. I mean, they're, they're getting millions of views, you know, by, by riding their skateboard off of the, the end of a diving board or, you know, something like that. <clears throat> and so if you've got a, if you've got a person who is, uh, a comedian who has spent years developing an act that they put on the video and send it out into YouTube, that doesn't get any more attention or any more, it doesn't take you any further than something that was cobbled together literally in five minutes in somebody's backyard. What say yeah, you? I a thousand percent agree. I think part of it is if we're, we're talking philosophically about it is uh, younger generations typically, um, their humor hasn't evolved yet, and so it's always you know physical humor, um, potty humor, things of that you know fart humor, all that stuff is always kind of like the thing. So having a TikTok where somebody skateboards into a stop sign uh, is kind of funny. So you find that you know, but if you go ahead and you try to do something that's more nuanced or um, put out they also don't have the life experience so depending on the material itself it may not be as relatable to a younger generation uh in addition what is we i think what we find funny as comedians anyway uh, we always kind of go funny is funny whereas uh of the younger generation and i'm not 
pinning it on or shaming them or anything, but it's just uh, there's a lot more sensitivity and a lot more political correctness and a lot more, you know, uh, you can't say this, you can't say that because they've grown up in this world with all of these safeguards that that's all they know. Um, you know, the anti-bullying, as we, we talked about earlier, the, um, you know, this is funny, you know, body shaming, all that kind of stuff. So to me, it's always interesting to, to, to find that. But yes, I, it's the most frustrating thing for me is to take time, put effort, write, edit, you know, try to plan something out that you go, oh, I think this is really good. This should do great. And it gets seven views. All of them, my mom. Thank you, mom. And then the, you know, again, somebody, somebody's cat farts and it gets a billion views. And you just go, well, that's, that's it. There's no comedy on social media is, it's a dead art form. Oh. So <laughs> I think I, wonder, I disagree. <clears throat> I wonder if it has something to do with what we were talking about at church today, which I was making the point, trying to make the point that there's a very, very big difference between people who use their thoughts to think through things logically and carefully versus people who use their emotions to just feel their way along all the time. And they think that life is made up of just impulses. Um, and I was talking in terms of relationships and how to disagree with people and how to, you know, come to an agreement of the truth together versus people who we are talking even, about fellowship. Right. Well, and there are people who use words to communicate ideas, which is what a comedian is trying to do, specifically funny ideas. There are people who use their language in order to convey what's in their brain to another person, and hopefully it's true what they're saying, or it reflects truth. But there are more people, I think, now, or at least a louder group of people now, who aren't using communication to convey ideas or thoughts they're using words only to emote, to, to express a feeling. And so if they don't believe that it's possible to be funny on purpose or to use words to express funny ideas, then they're not going to appreciate comedians who spend their time disciplining themselves. They don't see it as a craft or as a discipline. They see funny as something that accidentally happens when you turn on record and then your, your cat walks into the room and farts. And they think it hits you like lightning. So they don't appreciate a craft or an art, perhaps, because they're not looking for a universal truth. They think that it's just something that happens by accident. And if you happen to be somebody that they resonate with because you happen to share the same impulses toward the same material, then they'll listen to you for a little bit. But if, if you're not their cup of tea, then they move on because they figure you're never going to be funny. You just aren't on the same wavelength. So, I don't know. But do you think also that it's more of a visual medium? Um, and so that's why where stand-up is less. I mean, there are obviously exceptions mm -hmm. to, to every case, but stand-up is more, um, it is not a visual medium per se. You can listen to an audio recording and, and find the humor where TikTok and social media is all about, you know, yeah. this and jump cuts and subtitles. Well, I and, think... Visually, I think it's easier to get an emotional response from somebody when you're overwhelming their senses on multiple fronts. So if you've got something that's physically funny to watch and also sounds funny to listen to, and ideally, if you're in the same room and you've got, like, somebody cranks off a fart and it stinks, like, that's also another sensory, part of the sensory experience. People react to that stuff more quickly, so it's, it's a shortcut to a person's emotions. 
But I, I do think that the fact that people are more geared toward their own emotions and other people's emotions, they're not patient enough to think through what might be funny, so there's less chance to have that payoff from a punchline later. Um, but, you know, they think that if they just happen to be in a room where there happens to be a whole lot of stimulus that, they, that amuses them or that they interpret as enjoyable or funny, that's all that they expect from a, quote, comedian. It's just a very visceral experience. Well, I also think one of the other issues with that <laughs> is you have just a, you have a second, you have maybe three seconds right. to get that person's attention. So if you go out for a night of stand-up comedy, you know that you're going to be there hour to two hours and right. someone has, you know, they come out and they have to get you in the first minute, first 10 seconds or whatever, but they have time to learn that person, get to know their personality, right. um, things of that nature. So things that maybe, you know, as a result of knowing who I am and what my personality quirks are, they might find funny that somebody who just sees me for three seconds goes, right. this, this guy is weird. So I think you're also battling that when it comes to, and we're just talking kind of micro content, but even just stand up videos because the attention span is just designed right. so quick. Well, why should they give you two hours, Brian? Why should they give you right. two hours? It's not like you're going to come up with thoughts that they need to consider carefully. <laughs> it only takes how long for you to have a feeling like, Half a second, less than that. Like your your nervous system is extremely rapid. You could do it very quickly. Shouldn't take them very long to decide whether you're funny or not. Because to them, funny is literally an a impulse. It's just a feeling that washes over them, and they shouldn't have to invest anything at all because thinking is too hard. Well, if you've got the kind of person out there who's already receptive to comedy, if you've got a person who already is not necessarily just emoting. Uh, I do think that there are, I don't want to say modern, uh, younger, there are younger comics who are out there. But like you said, Brian, they're not, they're not stand-up comics. That's no. not really what we grew up with. That, that form of it is slowly <clears throat> becoming less popular. But there are really funny sketch comics, skit comics of my generation who, do they have a fully formed set for two hours or even 30 minutes? No. But, you know, two or three minutes, four minutes of thoughts, basically stuff that you guys would put in your comedy notebook and not really, you know, flush out all the way. They can do that. They have the liberty to go, well, this is a really funny thought and I only need it to be about 30 seconds. And so I can leave it as that, as a funny thought that's out there. And I do appreciate those people. And I think that they're out there if you want to look for them. Um, uh, but, yeah, I think that you're always going to be stuck battling culture and maybe i'm just naive but was stand-up comedy like did, did the masses love that back in the 80s and 90s or has it always been kind of niche in any way well the masses the masses in the 80s absolutely uh, early 80s early 90s it was you know you made it onto the tonight show and then you were just a made you were just a a made comic you know um rich scheidner always talks about he did comedy he's been doing comedy forever but he talked about in the 70s and the early 80s no one cared like you they didn't care who was on the marquee people just came out in droves to see comedy so it just didn't it didn't okay. matter who it was there now it has to be it's more of a celebrity thing you have to either like somebody but i i agree with your point there are some really funny people that you know and that's kind of what i'm i'm starting to shift a little bit to now is doing more online stuff and taking something that would be a bit and stand up and instead of it being a two or three minute bit i'm just doing 
uh, a quicker version of it because I don't have to do it night after night after night. I don't have to take the months to craft it and, you know, tweak this word, tweak that word. And it can just be a shorter set and there's no, there's no expectation. I think part of it for me anyway, is I was, I was trained or raised in, in Boston, which is a very, you know, get a laugh every 10 seconds, like every, every 10 seconds, you need a punchline, you need a laugh. So to let go of that and kind of let something breathe a little, um, but still be funny, but still not worry so much because you, you don't have that audience, that instant reaction with the audience. You can kind of play around with uh, a bit or a sketch that you're playing with that you don't need to make sure that you have that reaction so quickly, but it can be the last can come short enough that it's still people will keep people's attention. If that makes sense. Yeah. I, I see it as a different game. You know, it's funny. This sort of equates. I was talking to somebody, I met somebody at the library who also played college soccer and we were talking about how things are different now. We're married and we're both moms and finding time to even play soccer because you need 24 people to come and join you is sort of just, hi buddy, hold on. Is not going to happen. Um, and we said that even if it did, because she was telling me about this adult soccer league that we could play in if we wanted, that she was like, it's just different now. And she goes, and that's not a bad thing. She's like, but like none of us out there are trying to slide tackle each other. And none of us out there are playing hard and fast rules. Well, why? Because the game has changed and, and that's okay for what we're doing. Like, would we get our butts kicked by the professionals? And in this case, the professionals are the standups. Yes, we would. But we're not trying to be stand-up comics. We're we're trying to be in a lesser league than you guys, right. and so that's there's still saying, some merit there. That's why I'm saying I think it's less of an art form, and people tend to appreciate on social media. They appreciate art forms less. Like rather than going and listening to Bach or Mozart, which was you know some of these compositions took years and years and years to to flesh out and to make the masterpieces that you know professional musicians will tell you they are instead of that we're now like crafting giant um you know water glasses that we play we play the <laughs> the water organ you know or whatever um because it's interesting on more than one level and and so yeah people don't really have the patience to appreciate to, to stop and appreciate you know the the gourmet version of some of comedy they tend to want the fast food, which is better in its own right for its own purpose, but it doesn't serve the same purpose that it did before. Right. Well, so. if you're going to be going to be a stand-up, I think to answer the question Tabby asked, which is a good one, I want to ask answer Jeff's too. But the question that Tabby asked was, was it always kind of a niche? And I think it was, even when it was it was a bigger niche. There there was a sort of a yeah. There was sort of an interest and a fascination with it in the 80s. And there were people, a lot of people went to see stand-up comedy because of Evening at the Improv on cable television. And they would see stand-up on cable television and go, ooh, we want to go and see this live. But now, well, cable television is on the decline. And now you have YouTube and you've got TikTok and you've got people on the phone. So people don't see something on their screen and go, oh, I want to go see that live. They go, they see it on their screen and they go, I've seen it. I don't, I, I'm, I'm going to swipe now to the next thing. And so it is a, it is a different, it's, communication is different. Television is different. Movies are different. Everything is different now. Well, and so you've got, a, you've got a bunch of people now who are not, who are not going to leave their big screen televisions and go out to a club 
or to a theater or to they're they're not going to go to a live event because they're just they, they don't they, they have don't everything think about it. they need they have everything they need right here and a bag of chips on the couch and so so they don't they don't want to leave their house yeah right? chip well, I, I think um, that primarily is true, but I have seen it, especially uh, when I was in Southern California, uh, there's a rise of YouTubers and uh, social media influencers and, and content creators who are playing comedy clubs. Um, because I, I think the relate, well, I think there, it's a couple things. One, it's a relationship thing. Um, YouTube, TikTok, People kind of feel like they get to know them because it's very much a it's just a phone and it's an individual thing. And so as they they learn to develop this person over um, over time and they go, hey, you know what, I'm going to be here. And like I've opened for a couple and they pack the place out, but they can't they can't do an hour. They can't do a half hour, but it does. They don't do that. And of course, the clubs don't care. They they just want butts and seats. So they'll they'll, as I always say, they'll have a, a night full of monkeys dancing if that will pack the place, and we wouldn't be needed. And, and but it the, will, yeah, and it will absolutely. But so these YouTubers will go out, and and I don't begrudge them, but they go out and they they fill the place, and then they just kind of do like Q and A, and they just kind of talk a little bit, and their stand up or their material, their comedy doesn't have to be right. honed and sharpened because. They're already well known. People like it, so it's hanging out with the friends. They do the right. VIP meetups, all of that uh, business, and so it makes it uh, easier for them to go and, I guess, perform, quote unquote, perform for for people. So Jeff wants to know what past comedians do you think would have a hard time being appreciated in the present day culture? And I all think I know what the answer yep. is. <laughs> yeah, every single one of them. Every single. Yep. Yeah, I was just thinking that too. Like, if you look at, um, and if you're looking just at people who may not know them, if they were coming out as a new comedian, you look at someone like Don Rickles. Never going to make it with the political correctness with the way his act was. Um, Bill Hicks, you know, probably not. Uh, George Carlin, for as smart and as intelligent and uh, as he was and as funny as he was, uh, again, it would be really hard to to do that. He, I think, might have a shot because of some of the thinking, um, and he could probably tap into the the culture wars and the angst that people are feeling, uh, kind of in this this time. So, yeah. So I think some of it. So I think he would at least have a shot. But there, and I, the only other people I think that would really do it would be like a caricature or a character, like. Maybe Emo Phillips, um, because it's something different visually. It sounds different. It looks different. If but you have, if you have a culture that is generally, and, and we had it in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, even up into the early 90s, we had a culture that was generally um, American. We, we sort of had an American culture that we all functioned in. And that didn't mean that we all agreed politically and religiously and everything, but we were we were able to be in the room with people who didn't necessarily agree with us. We were also able to be in a room and listen to a stand-up show or go to a movie that didn't profess our specific point of view, and we could still enjoy it and we could and we could get along. We can't do that anymore. Yeah. We we can't we can't even we can't tolerate any differences of opinion. Um, 
politically, religiously, uh, socioeconomically, financially. We, we cannot tolerate differences. And, a com and comedy is all about pointing out the extreme, the extreme differences and finding, finding little things in, in the details that nobody else cares about and making mountains out of molehills. And that's what comedy is. And that is highly offensive to almost everybody now. People, right. people don't, um, they, they, we've, we've segregated around the people who are, who we think um, share the same point of view as us, but, but they really don't. Because as Mandy was saying earlier, people are not interested in actually expressing a point of view. They're interested in making you feel mm -hmm. a way that you're supposed right. to feel. And so, so they're not, they're not really authentic. They, they say that they are, Oh, it's great to, that you're so authentic and brave. And it's like, they're not. They're just saying things that they know are going to make a vast number of people hit the like button, uh, subscribe to their channel so that people can advertise to those people and sell them shoes and cosmetics right. and all of that sort of stuff. But that's it. That's what it's about. It's right. not really it's not really the art form anymore. If it ever was, maybe it never was, but it for right. sure is not about well, art now. And I think it does bear mentioning that like at any point if you strike it big and become famous there is an element of a huge element of luck and or god's providence if you prefer like the the formula or the secret sauce that made you know Don Rickles or Emo Phillips or whoever was not purely just they were the most talented people in the United States and nobody else could do what they did and everybody loved them and agreed with them and you know whatnot it was right. also being in the right place at the right time and knowing the right people. It is still the case that you need to be in the right place at the right time and know the right people, but the people you need to know are different people now. So, right. and, and the tools that you use to reach people are completely different tools now. So back then you needed to have a um, giant sh over the shoulder camera recorder, you know, <laughs> the ability to record yourself and then Which send your little right. VCR tapes off to, to <laughs> agents and things. Um, we don't do that now, you know, now that you, now that everything's digital and you have to be responsible for your own marketing and branding and, um, phone calling and, you know, show scheduling, it's a different game. And so even if we're not talking about the content of the artist, even if we're not talking about what they're actually joking about or how the culture has changed in its cravings, I guess, or in its taste for comedy, we're also talking about a completely different, like technical and um physical way of promoting yourself like it you have to know different people and you have to actually do different things just to be in the business right well you can you can bypass the the gatekeepers that used to be there right you know in order to get famous quote unquote you have sort to of. get on you know yes and no um yeah. but there's more opportunity i should say to bypass gatekeepers uh, everyone has that ability to say what they want. Everyone can say their opinion, whereas, you know, it was a lot harder uh, to get up in front of a room full of strangers mm -hmm. and feel that that vulnerability. But, John, you, I just wanted to touch basically really quickly what you said about um, it's one side or the other. And it's 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 kind of it's going to sound really weird, but it's the because it's in society. Uh, it's it's in news media. Like that's that's all they care about. Like if you watch Fox News or MSNBC or CNN or whatever, they don't really give you the news. 
They they tell you what's going on and they immediately go to an opinion panel. And what they do is to wrap back to what you said, uh, Peaches, is they, they make you feel, oh, well, this happened. This is how you should feel. This is an outrage and this is that. And it's just designed to get those ratings, do the advertising rates. And I've seen it because it's going to sound bad. I'm a lifelong pro wrestling fan. And what it is, it is pro wrestling. That is exactly their playbook. And pro wrestling has been going on for hundreds of years. And it's, a not, it's not about whether or not uh, they like you or they hate you. It's about making them feel something. And if, I'm serious. If you think about it, they have a lot of the same things. So let's say do the three-word chants, you know, uh, lock her up. Yes, we can. You know, all that kind of stuff. You know. Make America Great, whatever, you know, all that sort of stuff, USA, and this guy is a bad guy, and you're just <laughs> flamboyant, and this and this is a good guy, and all you want to see is somebody get smacked with a steel chair. That's all you want to see by the end of the day. And so at least with pro wrestling, I get that. With politics and, and you know, other stuff, I don't. But again, it's all about give, making those people feel, and there are so many different characters for all the different walks of life so that you can attach and, and latch on to one of those people. So... Um, I think, uh, Amanda, as you were kind of saying, people kind of morph their their sets to being something like that where they can feel, and, and John, mm-hmm. they're not authentic, uh, and it's just making you feel something. There are people who go out and just troll, and just, you know, they have these personas, which, I mean, we all kind of do as, as comedians. Uh, generally, it's for me, it's myself just kind of amplified, but there are these other personas that you're just trying to get people to feel, and so you see this whole rise of these kind of antagonistic things where people say, well, I'm going to do this and, you know, the heck with everybody else over here and the heck with everybody else over here. And then this side's outraged and they tune in because they want to see this guy get hit with a chair as a comedian. And this side's outraged because they want to protect this guy. And so it's just, it's just kind of a weird culture that it's we've tribalism. all. It's tribalism. I mean, it's, it's definitely it's, tribalism. Um, if there were chairs in political debates, I would watch them more often. I would love that. Just say, oh, no, that's Bernie Sanders music. And he comes out and boom, just whack somebody in the back. Like, that would be wonderful. Well, that would be phenomenal. We were, I believe that we were designed to fight. We as humans have a war that we're supposed to be fighting in. But we've completely lost the plot as far as who is who. Like, who are supposed to be the bad guys and who are supposed to be the good guys. And... That was, again, what we were talking about in church was the difference between being in a fellowship with people, on a team with people who care about truth, like objective, big T, capital T truth, um, and they want to say something important. They want their message to be um, meaningful on the grandest, you know, sense of the word, um, versus people who just fellowship around um, that sort of short-term gratification like the instant gratification all i i'm basically just an upright walking animal and i just want my next fix of whatever you know i'm craving whatever my instinct tells me to go and get um and i think that what dad was saying was maybe maybe years and years ago more of a a larger percentage of the american population was on the team that cared about truth and like you said brian that's why their news was more geared toward facts and um, trying to help people establish what's what rather than, you know, how should we feel about it? And that's not to say that we shouldn't have feelings about truth. That's not to say that we shouldn't be angry when somebody actually does commit a heinous crime or that we shouldn't be happy when somebody, you know, one of the good guys 
um, helps an old lady across the street, you know, or raises funds for a good cause. Like emotions are important, but right now we are we are surrounded by people who are looking for emotions for emotions' sake. Like the be all end all is just to feel a certain way for a very short amount of time and then go find the next fix. We're addicted to our own emotions. And um, it shows because you can't be in fellowship with somebody who's on a completely different team whose end goal is absolutely different from yours. And I think that's what we're experiencing now. Right. We, we were talking about First John chapter 1, and it talks about how the, the apostles, the writer of the book was saying, this is what we've told you, the, the things that we've experienced, the things that we know. We've, we've touched it. We've seen it with our eyes. This is what we're telling you so that you will believe it and you will be in fellowship with us. And the reason you want to be in fellowship with us is because we are in the same fellowship as God himself. And so what we were talking about is how people have this, this attitude now in our culture that fellowship, first of all, they don't understand what fellowship is. They think that fellowship is sort of a, there's a lot of different ideas about what it is. And, and generally people think that you're just kind of hanging out together. You're in the same you're occupying the same space as another group of people, and so you're in fellowship. It's a, it's sort of a friendship. It's camaraderie. It's eating together. It's, it's well, uh, mutually enjoying the same sensations. I would say, like everybody it. is enjoying that same fleshly impulse at the same time. <laughs> and that is a form of fellowship. It is it a is. form of fellowship. But, yeah. but the fellowship that the scripture talks about is, is coming together for a purpose or, or around a specific belief you come around something that is that is true um and so the fellowship is not based on how you feel it's not it's not based on even how you feel towards each other and that's what is totally lost in our culture is that it's possible to be in fellowship with somebody who you might want to be strangling at the, at the moment you <laughs> might be, feel like hitting be, him with a chair brian yep. you might feel like hitting him with a chair to use your me- wrestling metaphor and fellowship is like is like family and in the and the church is an extension of that belief where my attitude and my thoughts about you as a person are irrelevant to a point um your your the type of person that you are is going to reflect what you believe it's going to reflect your your true values but as far as whether or not we are in fellowship if you and i are in agreement about who christ was that's the fellowship. And so there's a lot of room for us to disagree about politics and for us to disagree about who's the right. best comedian and for us right. to disagree about right. entertainment. We can disagree about all that stuff and still remain in fellowship because of the core uh, belief about which that fellowship is based on. And most Americans don't have any particular core belief that they are, that, that's not uh mutable that they won't change that you know that they'll <laughs> that they'll that they'll throw away in order to feel a certain way and that's what we were talking about mm. was how there's a there's a, a fickleness in our culture <laughs> and that's what ultimately gets back to what i was talking about with our with my comedian friend is there are people who most people won't won't commit to following a story or following mm-hmm. a joke long enough to get to the punchline they want to they want to see it it's, it needs to hit me right now on my screen. I need to be immediately engaged and entertained or I'm going to swipe and I'm going to swipe. I'm going to swipe. 
And we're talking about videos that are only 20 seconds long. Right. You know, and people will go four seconds into that video. Nope. Nope. And that's just, it's not possible to put together any sort of cogent uh, presentation that's going to, that's going to communicate anything meaningful to the only, yeah, the only possibility. And I've seen this with a lot of YouTube, um, at least YouTube anyway, is they will put a highlight uh, of whatever the thing is, but that becomes difficult as a comedian because you don't want to give away the punchline. Um, so they, they put the highlight right up front and then they, they go into like the the punchline up front. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) So you have to put, you have to, right. You have to try to find some moment of the clip that gives you that instant, Oh, jolt of (laughs) what's this without giving away the punchline. That's so so funny that you bring that up because it reminds me of back in the, back in the day when people were doing videos, they were doing teaser videos that they would send out. You know the various churches and stuff trying to get work. People would, when back when I used to be a big deal in the CCA, people would send me their videos. Take a look at this video. Take a look at this video. And I cannot tell you how many people had videos that was just punchline, 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 <laughs> and then a quote from somebody you know that may or may not have been true, and then punchline, punchline, punchline. So it was just like the audience uproariously laughing, but at the end of it, you have no idea what he was talking about. Right. It was the most the most disjointed and but in their mind it's like, oh the audience is laughing. That's all that they're going to care about. And that would probably work now. It would mm. probably work now, but it didn't work then. That I don't think it would work. Like, yeah. I don't think for a club or or any sort of booking, anyone with any experience booking, like I I promoted and booked a, a comedy club for a while and I didn't care if you didn't get laughs. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, I want laughs in the in the demo. Like, don't send me five minutes of me bombing. However, um, I want to see that a joke cannot go well, and you can get the crowd back. You know what I mean? Everyone thinks like every joke's got to be a ten, a ten, a ten, a ten, a ten, and it's like there's so much more to that. It's like, okay, right. show me, show me well, a joke that kind of dips, and then you get the crowd back. Right, or show me somebody that goal. knows comedy. Somebody that <laughs> yeah. knows comedy can watch can watch a set where a guy doesn't do very well, and they can still go, "This guy's a decent comic." Absolutely. Right? Even if even if they don't hear any laughter from the audience, you can, you can tape it in front of two people, and if you've got if you've got a set. People right. that know comedy are going to go, oh, yeah, that's good. Well, yeah, that guy's funny. You could do it according to the criteria that you guys are using for what good comedy is. But what I'm saying is that that is changing amongst people who don't define comedy as strong setup, you know, concise setup, and then punchy punchline and, you know, being able to get people back if they don't, if they're lost, you know, being able to read the crowd and work with the crowd. They don't they don't define comedy that way anymore because that's right. too thoughtful. And so if you're, if you don't realize that what you're doing is that you're defining things differently than so many people in the rest of the culture, you can get really discouraged. Cause you're like, well, I thought I was doing a good job. I'm always, I'm over here crafting sonnets, you know, out right. of my jokes and people just, they just want to blow into the straw and and so <laughs> You're like, well, I guess, made us laugh. I guess I'm not as good at, you know, playing the flute as I thought I was. And it's like, no, you're still good at playing the flute. What these people want is not flute anymore. Right. And, you know, that's just, they're in a different fellowship yeah. than you are. Right. But I don't know that, I don't know that you can get that back right now. 
I don't know that I don't you think can get. I don't think no, I, you will. You you can't get it back, and that was that was the thing that we discussed. And he before we hung up, he goes, "Man, he goes, <laughs> you're you're blowing my mind," you know, because he he hadn't thought about this stuff before. But the fact is that the culture has changed, and it's been right. changing. And it is I hope not, you checked on him today too, and made sure that he's yeah, still. I hope, I don't <laughs> he's think not I laying on the edge. couch in his underwear, no, eating out of the ice cream he's, tub. He's a little more stable than that, I think. But <laughs> but the culture, um, the culture is not. They're not comedy savvy anymore, and and you kind of said it earlier, Brian, that there's the younger generation has always been naive and that's been that was true in the 80s and 70s mm-hmm. and 60s the people coming up the young kids kids don't know stuff and and they have to get a certain amount of years underneath them and they have right. to be years where they're actually learning where they have to actually educate and acquiring information before right. they're able to even process comedy at a higher level before right. they can before they can deal with before they can deal with something that's comedic that's that is beyond a cat farting in the room and and a guy driving a skateboard into a stop sign now those things are still always going to have comedic elements because comedy is comedy and things that are funny are funny and it doesn't matter how old you are um they're they're always going to be funny however it is possible and i think this is what's going on in the culture for your for your comedy to stick at a certain level you know i think you can you can appreciate a guy getting hit in the crotch with a football you know, when you're a kid, when a kid, when people falling down, and I make kids laugh every time there's kids in the audience, they laugh when I do the really high squeaky voice or I fall down. Right. Kids go crazy. You know? Right. Um, um, I put a chip on Warren's head this morning and told him it was a hat. Killed. Oh, very killer. <laughs> Mandy, Mandy destroys the under two crowd. Yes, eighteen to twenty-two months. Yes, they love it. They are in the palm of her hand. He only looked they, at me funny for a half a second. If they could stand, right? Yeah. Well, it, it yeah, it's it's kind of, and they can't go beyond it. Yes, I, and I agree. But I also think too. I started to realize this, you know, several years ago. It was like, well, this isn't my audience anymore. Like clubs are not my audience anymore. You go there, you get older. Everyone still comes in. They're they're, they're you know early to late twenties. And I'm like, this isn't, I don't have the same relationship, you know, with this, right. they don't relate the same way. And so then you start trying to go elsewhere and you have to evolve or die. You know, your comedy has to either evolve to what is there. If you want to, you know, go viral or do any of that stuff. Um, so, you know, you just, you have to change it or else you're going to just slam your head into the wall and feel frustrated like your friend, like, man, I'm, I'm putting out this work and nobody's, it's, it's being consumed differently. It's being viewed differently. It's, it's not possible to go backwards. It, yeah. it just isn't because, because going backwards to pick up the kids who were born in 2000, they, mm-hmm. these are, they were born in 2000, um, to go back and pick those kids up. Is going to require me also going back and and immersing myself in the culture that right. they were immersed in. But I, but that was not my culture. It's not going to be possible for me to have to really capture the same uh, experiences and emotions and and observations because that was not my culture. And and even if I was able to capture it, 
I, I would do a better job of observing it and commenting on it than they're capable of doing at the Correct. moment because they haven't right. lived long enough. And so I could do excellent comedy based on from 1920 to 19 or from 2020 to 2020 from 2000 to 2023 for that 20 year span. I could do excellent comedy. They now, if I was to make fun of the culture, which is, which is what com- comedians do, they would take it personally. They would be offended by it, and they would not think it is funny because right. he, he's making fun of us. He's putting us down. He thinks he's better than we are. He thinks he's smarter than we are, and, and it's just a complete misunderstanding of how comedy works. And uh, and see, so you, you can't go back. I think the the one way uh, you could go around that is uh, you've done tons of of corporate work as well uh, as I have. It's the fish out of water, you know. So you go at it from this is my perspective coming in clueless to what your world is and observing, you know, when you you go to a, a corporate uh, show and you have known nothing about the company and you just, you know, you get there and you're like, you just start to comment from a place of, uh, I don't want to call it ignorance, but just again, fish out of water. I have no idea what's going on. Then that's one way I think you could get um, some of that in. If you're dealing with a younger generation, that would be the technique I would do. But again, it's going to be a lot harder um, because you still don't have that immediate pop, 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 grab attention. Well, you have people that are expecting you to get hit in the crotch with a football or crash your skateboard into a stop sign, too. And so right. we, well, we how much go, money? <laughs> <laughs> how much does a gig pay? <laughs> we usually go about 45 minutes on the uh, podcast, oh. and we're over that. But I wanted to ask, because we can go a little over. Um, Thanks, before, Peach, for letting us go over. I'm a, a very generous soul. Um, what is something this week? that made each of you laugh really hard. One thing. I can go first if you need time to think about it. I will need time. Uh, I had my I had my nephew, my two nephews and my niece overnight on Friday night and we were playing outside and um Warren, who is twenty what, twenty one months, something like that. Less than two. He was trying to change the subject because we kept asking him, Hey, who's this? Who's this? What's their name? What's their name? And he doesn't like that game for very long. He gets annoyed and we think it's cute, but he doesn't want to keep doing it. So we're like, here, who's this? And it was Cammy. Cammy's holding him. Who's this? Who's this? Warren, who's this? And he kept trying to change the subject. And there was a basketball in my pool, floating in my pool and he couldn't get over it. And he kept going, that's the ball in the pool. And we're like, but who's this? The ball. And he goes, the pool, ball. <laughs> and then we're like, well, who's this, though? And he goes, Cammy, a basketball. Booga, 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 booga. <laughs> and he does this, He bounces his hand up and down like this. And he goes, booga, booga, booga. And it just made Cammy and I laugh really hard that he thought that that was the sound effect that a basketball would make. And then a few minutes later, he was bouncing on a football. Effect. He had a football under his butt, and he was bouncing up and down on it. He was doing the same thing. Booga, 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 booga. <laughs> Made us laugh. Pretty hard. Yep. I got one. Okay. Oh, um, so it's it's the I think it's the thing that made me laugh the most this week. I don't know how it made me laugh quite a bit. I saw a video from a baseball game. Um, you're familiar with baseball. They have ball boys and ball girls that collect like foul balls or whatever. Uh, yeah. Balls that aren't in play. So they hit a fair ball 
and the ball boy for some reason just wasn't paying attention or whatever, <laughs> thought it was foul, exactly. grabbed it, and chucked it into the stands. <laughs> it was it was great. And so then he sits down, he's got a, a he's got a dip in his mouth, he's got a little spit <laughs> bottle. And then one of the guys in the audience was like, hey, you know, like the the the, um, the outfielder just was like incredulous towards him. He's like, dude, what did you do? What did you do? And so he's sitting there and the guy's like, did you really? And he's talking to him. He's got these like bright eyes like, huh, what did I do? And then he <laughs> looks back at like the, the outfielder. He's like, my bad. And spits. So that was, that was it for me. <laughs> What's he going to do at that point? What's he going to have done? Just did not care. <laughs> but just took it, <laughs> threw it right into the crowd. Into the yeah. <laughs> Oop. yeah, that's pretty good. I didn't have anything. I we I spent a lot of time with Warren this week too. Um, and he he does he's funny. Um, we were reading Blues Clues books. We've got a whole series of Blues Clues books that are extremely popular with the Farkas children. They've been popular with all of the kids. But uh, the book, if you know how Blue's Clues works, you mm-hmm. you play a game. You put the little he puts the little blue paw print up on like the first page to tell you what he wants to do. You know, we're going to figure out what Blue wants to make at craft time. We're going to figure out where he wants to go on vacation. You know, we'll play Blue's Clues. Will you help me? Uh huh. And so then you go through. You look for little paw prints, and uh, the paw prints are always on something that's a clue. Or it's on a boat, or it's on a dish, or it's on a spoon, or whatever. And so we're going through, and, and Warren is totally into it. Like he's he is just scanning, waiting for that blues clue to pop up. And when it pops up, he goes, he calls it cuckoo, a cuckoo, a cuckoo. <laughs> and he points, and I go, hey, blues and clue. Go, and and then I ask him, and his brother's watching with me, and I say, and what is it? Meaning, what is it on? And he and he always looks at me and goes, a cuckoo. Like, it's like I already told you what it is, Grandpa. It's a blues clue, and he's like, right, but he hasn't quite grasped that he's supposed to notice what it's. What's on. the item? Right. right. And so when I ask him, well, what is it? He just repeats it. It's a blues clue. Right. It's like <laughs> where's it's like where's Waldo for him? You don't find Waldo for any other reason except just right. there he is. It's Waldo. And if you keep asking, but what is it? It's Waldo. Okay, it's but what Waldo. is it? Waldo! It's Waldo! <laughs> I don't know how to make this more plain for you. It's a blues clue. Thanks for visiting the Comedian's House. If you want to spend more time with our family, you can follow John Branion on YouTube and Facebook. Also email nextdoor at johnbranion.com with your comments and questions. We'll see you next time.